0: I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. So we're, we're in Genesis chapter six, and this is an important passage in a lot of ways. If you really want to understand some of the New Testament that's going on and what's going on uh. In Scripture, throughout the Bible, Genesis chapter 6 is an important event in Scripture. It's the it's the flood. It's the beginning of explaining the purpose and the reasons for the flood, what happened when, when that happened, and what caused that to take place, and what was going on, and I think that an appropriate amount of time needs to be dealt with it because by understanding it, you understand the course of what God's doing and the course of what the enemy's been up to when after the fall, And the enemy realizes that, obviously, uh, Satan realizes that he is not, he's not in charge uh, of human will. Humans are in charge of their own will. They've decided to do their own thing and not follow his will. And so it's, he's got to, uh, he's got to alter course. Remember, Satan is wise, very wise, but he's not all-knowing. And he only knows what has happened he does not know what is going to happen other than other than he can maybe surmise from especially the way we operate who we are he might be able to figure out what you're going to do next because you're so predictable and uh, i am too we we give into our passions we get into given to the lust of our flesh we give into our emotions so much that it might be just really easy for satan to figure out how to how what we're going to do next but he does not necessarily know god's will except that which is revealed in scripture now obviously he knows scripture and he tries he tried with even jesus to tempt jesus using the word of god now manipulating it but using it and so understanding what satan's up to understanding what god's plan is and understanding how that operated at a time when god pronounced a major judgment on the earth and destroyed the earth would be obviously an important thing to know and understand so we got it we come to it and we come to it it says in genesis chapter six now it came to pass after we spent chapter five in a genealogy where it's a genealogy all the way from adam to noah we saw all of adam's sons being born his son great-grandson all the way down to noah we see that noah comes from the line of adam which means he was born in the image of adam but most importantly his father is adam adam was the father of noah not the actual father of noah but when you go back in genealogies back you you know who your father is going backwards through your great grandfathers and such noah came from adam and it says now it came to pass when men began to multiply on the earth and that is humans that's the idea of humans it says when humans began to multiply on the face of the earth the daughter and daughters were born to them. Now notice if you' if you'll think back on last last chapter, no daughters were mentioned. It doesn't even speak to them. It just speaks to the line passed down uh, through the seed of Adam all the way down to Noah. But now he's going to bring up that obviously he made them male and female. Obviously, he needs women. There are women that were involved and many daughters born to them, born to humanity. And we understand that, that God made them male and female. He made them equivalent. They are humankind, but they're also not the same. They're not the same. And remember, equality and sameness are two totally different things. Equality means that they're equal in value. Sameness means that they're exactly the same, and they're not. And, and that's so obvious as to be... As to be. Any academic person that would tell you that they're the same are absolutely wrong and obviously wrong and what we would used to call an egghead. Somebody who is stuck so far up in a book can't realize what's actually going on around them. And he says, now it came to pass, and you can see I'm passionate about that. He says, now it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and the daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men. Now, it defines two, two groups of people here. It's obvious who the daughters of men are because when we interpret Scripture, we use Scripture to interpret Scripture, and that's important. It says the sons of God saw the daughters of men. We know um, we know that the daughters of men from, from verse 1 are the females that were born of humankind. It says, Now it came to pass in verse 1, That men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born to humanity. Daughters, we had sons and daughters being born. And you say, why isn't it obvious who the sons of God are? It it could be obvious. It could be real obvious that they're just they're just people too. And that could be the answer to this. That could be the the answer to it. Other than they're not called the sons of men. They're called the sons of God. Uh, And notice the daughters are not called the daughters of God. They're called the daughters of men. So there is a difference there. In fact, there is a clear phrase that is used there to describe the sons of God. The phrase used there is Ben or "being Elohim. Uh, And Elohim is the common name in, in the Pentateuch or the first five books of the Bible. It's the common name used for God. In, in the New Testament, in Greek, the common name for God is Theos. And so the common name for God in the Old Testament, especially starting in Genesis chapter 1, in beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's actually in beginning, Elohim created, the gods created the heavens and the earth. So these are the sons of Elohim, and that's an important distinction. Now, I'm going to tell you that scripturally speaking, when you're when you run across something like this that's very unique to something that seems to be something that you don't really quite understand, the best way to interpret a passage a phrase like this or a passage like this is to use scripture interpret scripture. That's what we did with the daughters of men, because we went back to chapter six and it told us that daughters were born to humanity. And so they would obviously be the daughters of mankind or the daughters of men. And that's obviously speaking to what was talked about in verse one. But in verse two, it uses a phrase, the sons of God. And obviously, if I'm going to use the same interpretation technique, the sons of God would not be the brothers of the daughters of men, because that's two different phrases. If we were going to talk about the brothers of the daughters of men, we would call them the sons of men, just like the daughters of men and even in the garden when they ate of the fruit of the tree one of the curses or one of one of the prophecies given to eve was that her seed not adam's seed but her seed would crush the head of the serpent and so it's important that you you that god is making distinctions and when scripture makes a distinction or makes a difference, clearly makes us a distinction or a difference, and, and it gives us an insight, we need to search it out and look for it. We need to understand it, because if we don't do that, we're going to miss out on the whole meaning of a passage of Scripture. And like I said, chapter 6 is such an important passage of Scripture that we need to look at it, all right? We need to know where this phrase, sons of God, or bene Elohim, is used. We need to know where that's used. It's used twice in this chapter. It's going to be used just a little bit later to describe the same group of people, the sons of God. But it's also used in the book of Job. It's used here and the book of Job's. Interestingly, if you said, what makes Job and, and Genesis what makes Job and Genesis important? What about Job and Genesis are similar to each other? How are they similitudes to each other? The way they are uh, similitudes to each other similar is that, that they uh, are the two oldest books in the Bible. And you say Genesis is obviously the oldest because it's uh, it starts with the very beginning. And all actuality, chronologically wise, in when the book was written, Job is an older book because Job was written before uh, Moses was alive. And Moses wrote the first four, five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. He wrote the first five books of the Bible known as the Pentateuch. And he wrote them after the book of Job was written. And Job actually uses... This phrase three times. He uses the phrase three times and he uses it very specifically. And we're going to be able to look at it and figure out who the sons of God are. Because remember, it's not a singular person. We know who the son of God is from the New Testament and the Old Testament. We know who the son of God is. That's Jesus himself. But we're looking for who are the sons of God. Because remember, in our verse here it says that the sons of God saw the daughters of men. That's another thing. They would have come across and recognized them. If these were the brov- brothers of the daughters of men, it would be obvious that they recognized it. And it would say and it says that they were beautiful or I love the way it uses the the word actually is best translated that they were fair. We that that's a a word that used to describe beauty back 50 to 100 years ago but and if you read if you read books from that time period they will use the idea of fairness or they were they were beautiful And notice and they took wives from themselves of all whom they chose notice they chose to take wives by their own will they chose to take wives of their own not by God's will and they chose they took all that they wanted now that would be all they want, all that they wanted, in opposition to someone else, and we got to figure that out. So let's go to Job and figure and talk about what's going on in the book of Job at the start. And at the start, it is talking about it was it's talking about Job and his seven sons and three daughters and how they had a great family and a great relationship. And chapter in verses one through six deals with that and Job sanctifying of them and. <clears throat> Basically, it's talking about Job's faith, if you want to know the truth. And in, in verse six, it says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before a Jehovah. So it's actually got the two words that we have come across in the book of Genesis for God. It's got those two words in the same, it's got those two words in the same verse: Elohim and Jehovah. It says, now. Uh, there was a day when the sons of Elohim or bene Elohim being Elohim came to present themselves before Jehovah and Satan also came among them or Satan was with them. Wow. Okay. That's really interesting. All right. Apparently these sons of God came up to heaven and presented themselves before the Lord and Satan was a part of the group. Now, I'm not sure, but I don't think that has anything to do with humanity. And you say, well, how, well it could have something to do with it. These could be the ones that have passed away, the sons of God that have passed away, and they're going to present themselves to God, the sons of men who have passed away, and they're presenting themselves to God as God. The problem with that is, is that we understand, and the Old Testament teaches this, that if you died in the Old Testament before the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you went down to what is called the bosom of Abraham. And on one side of the bosom of Abraham is paradise. That's where those people of the people of faith went. And the the ones on the other side of the bosom of Abraham are in Sheol, or what we call hell. And they are separated by a wide gulf. And this is obviously at a time that is before Moses even lived. And so the sons of God are not presenting themselves before the Lord before the resurrection of jesus christ in this sense it is obviously the sons of god and if they're joined by satan we understand that satan is an angel all other angels only he's an archangel and michael and gabriel are archangels equivalent to him and satan comes with all the other angels when they present themselves before we understand and we see quite clearly that satan still has access to speak and to deal with god and we see that throughout scripture that Satan has ac- access to God. So here we see that this phrase, the sons of God, is clearly indicating angels are presenting themselves before God. In chapter um, 2, verse 1, it says, again, there was a day when the sons of God, Job 2 1, came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. Okay. In Job, God gives us two clear phrases, two clear passages that are almost identical to each other, and they are associating the sons of God, both of those verses are associating the sons of God with the angelic host, okay? And we understand that the angels that have not fallen are still clearly under the will of God, and they're not operating in their own will. So if we're going to use that idea and that understanding, we need to say, that these angels that are talked about, if in chapter 2 of Genesis chapter 1, 6 says this, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, if that is angels, okay, that would have to not be the angels that didn't fall. That would have to be the angels that are under Satan's power, and they are angel angels, fallen angels. And we see that, <clears throat> interestingly enough, and I'm going to just show you this because it's very important. I don't have time to really explain it in full detail. But that phrase is used one more time, and I believe it's talking about the angels in heaven that are not fallen angels. It's used in Job 38.7, and it says, and it's talking about when God created the heavens and the earth. It says, when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. I mentioned that because the sons of God shouted for joy. That wouldn't be Satan. That wouldn't be Satan. That would be the angelic host in heaven who are not singing. Notice they're shouting for joy and somebody is singing and they're the morning stars. And I'm just give you a little hint right there morning is always has to do with resurrection okay morning is a picture it's always a scriptural picture of the resurrection so whoever these stars are they have to be resurrected stars and it's not just one of them it's many so I wonder who the morning stars are at creation who sing and the answer is it's us because those who he get those whom the father gives to Jesus Jesus gives them eternal life, which is life outside of time. And so in Job, the oldest written book of the Bible, God reveals that there is going to be a group of people who are resurrected and have eternal life, and they're resurrected stars, and they sang at creation. So the question is, when did you begin? You began when you were born, but when you received eternal life, you have always been you live outside of time. That's just a little bit of just a little bit of insight into that. Anyway, but if you want to go to the New Testament, I think we always want to do that to understand some things. Luke chapter 20, there's a story about there's a story that where the Sadducees came to Jesus because they didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in the afterlife. They came to Jesus and said, there's a man, he had a wife and he died. And the custom was the wife of a man if he died married his brother so that his brother could give him, continue his line by giving him sons. And it goes through that several, all the sons died, and then the woman died. And she and the question is to Jesus, whose wife is she? And Jesus answers, in, in, in and this is in Luke chapter 20 and verse 34. It says, Jesus answered and said to them, the sons of this age marry and are given in marriage, meaning the sons of this time period. <clears throat> it's interesting he uses that phrase. He doesn't say the sons of men. He says the sons of this age. He's not talking about the age to come. He's talking about humanity in its state right now. He says the sons of this age are married and are given in marriage, but those who are counted worthy to attain that age, meaning the age to come, meaning the eternal age, he says, and the resurrection from the dead, and it gives you that understanding that there's an age to come and those who live in that age, those who have, are a part of that age are those who are resurrected, meaning they have eternal life. That explains that Job passage, by the way. He says, they, he says, and the resurrection of the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage, nor can they die anymore, for they are equal to the angels and are sons of God, being sons of the resurrection. So what he's saying there is that humans, once they're given eternal life, and once they die and go go to eternity or, or wake up in eternity, once that happens, they ne- they neither marry nor given marriage. Now that doesn't mean that you're not married, but that doesn't mean that you don't have that personal relationship, that intimate relationship that you had with the people on the earth, because we clearly are. That's our treasure in heaven is the relationships that we have. It's not talking about that. What it's talking about is that we're not going to go up and be out there looking for somebody to get married to because there's not going to be a need for that anymore. Why? Because we're not going to be propagating the species anymore. There's not a need for that. But quite clearly, who is the sons of God in that passage? The sons of God are believers. They're people who are given eternal life through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. One other passage that there's several passages in the New Testament. One of them is Galatians chapter 3 verse 26. For he's For you are uh, all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. We understand that sons of God can be angels in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, sons of God also can be those who have eternal life, are resurrected, are resurrection stars. They're the ones who have eternal life. That's us. And so, quite clearly, we as New Testament believers were not in the time of Noah and saw that the daughters of men were fair and took as many of them as we wanted to as wives. It's quite clear that if you just use Scripture to interpret Scripture, it's quite clear that the sons of God saw the daughters of men. Those sons of God are angels, that they were beautiful and that they took wives for themselves, all whom they chose. And that began the process. And so you go, Chad, we need to come full circle. What are you trying to say? What I'm trying to say is that this is an intentional effort by Satan. And we're going to see that as we go on through this passage, this is an intentional effort by Satan to destroy the bloodline of men, because we see in chapter five, that God shows us there's a bloodline between Adam and Noah. He's trying to destroy the bloodline of men and corrupt it such that there can't be a Messiah come. There can't be anybody who comes from humanity. And notice he specifically attacks the daughters of men. He is trying to make it such that there are no men coming all, coming from the daughters of men who who is from the line of Adam and who can take hold of the promise of resurrection, the promise of atonement and the promise of the peace of God be given to humanity. That's what's going on here. Satan is trying to destroy the bloodline of man in this passage. And the Bible clearly is showing us that. He's telling us in every way he can that God's gonna fix that problem that Satan has caused by allowing his fallen angels to begin to intermarry with with the daughters of men and try to destroy the bloodlines of men on the earth.